Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast, episode number 164 for the week of October 28th, 2020. This is a weekly show covering all the games made in Canada and the people who create them. My name's Stephen. It's spelled with a PH and an A, so you'd think it's Stefan, but it's actually Stephen. Joining me, of course, the founder and other main dude behind CanadianGameDevs.com, Steve Venn with a PH and an E, but we call him Steve, and no one's confused ever. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right. And also, did you notice uh, my buddy mentioned about he thinks he's a co-founder on our YouTube thing? Did you see oh, that? Oh, who's comment? that? So my friend Chris. Um, the Chris I played Fall Guys with? Yes. Okay. One of my best friends. He was my best man, even. Um, he he was present when I came up with the idea of TorontoGameDevs.com. And I told so him So he considers it. himself a co-founder? I guess so. Okay. I, don't know about, I don't know how I feel about that, but... Has he put in any work? Uh, we, him and I used to do, like, YouTube Let's Plays and stuff. That's fun. Yeah. They're gone now. I deleted them. So it's not... It's yeah, like you should have kept them. I, w- I wanted to watch them. Oh, I mean... Eh. eh. <laughs> um, They're gone. So All our new content, though, is high-quality uh, graphics... Of course, supported by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash devs. They help us keep the site running, uh, improving our equipment, like Steve's hot new mic. Say something in Yo, an NPR up. voice right now, Steve. An NPR voice? What's that? I don't know, like National Public Radio. You know how they always come like, good morning. Tonight, we'll be hearing from acclaimed author Stephen King about his new book. And it's like, you know, oh. like a, no? I have no idea how to do that. Um, oh, okay. Loot boxes are okay. I... <laughs> Yeah, it's a new... I don't even know anything about this mic. Because, like, basically one of the Patreon goals was if we hit $100 or whatever a month, then we'll upgrade our stuff. And you didn't need to upgrade. Yours is already a better quality. I was just using, like, a blue... Uh, what is it called? Like, blue microphone or whatever. How old is that mic, Steve? Uh, it's not very old. Two years? A year? Okay, okay. It's not that old. But it's, like, it was, like, a $50 mic at Best Buy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know anything about this stuff we had to go on a uh, video for you to basically show, like direct me on how to like put this five piece thing together, but it's set and, up uh, and it sounds good. It sounds great, Steve. Like, I don't think you realize like the moment you plugged it in, I was like, Whoa, we're on it. We're on national public radio right now with a, a real live person like CBC. We should just delete all the past podcast episodes then. No, <laughs> start at one, one, too much work into editing those podcasts for you to delete them. <laughs> Literally, probably over 100 hours of my life. Probably. Wow, really? But over a year and like 100 podcasts. How long does it take you to do one episode? an hour each. And then the video takes a long time too, so that adds a bit. But you're not doing that. You just re- It just takes a long time to render. No, like setting it up in the... Setting up the audio and video is probably like an hour and a bit each week. Wow. I guess that's why we record on Saturdays now instead of it Sunday is, at yes. like 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, so I was starting to get up at like seven or six on Monday morning and like do it. And I was like, I can't do this. No one's got time for that. Anyway, we want to thank our patrons. Uh, if you want to become a patron, you will get uh, discord perks, two day early access to this podcast, game key giveaways, discounts for Canadian gaming events like EGLX, shout outs at the end of every episode and the knowledge that you're helping us keep the lights on covering the Canadian game dev scene. Steve, at the top of the show, I also want to plug our support for all the indigenous movements across this country, Landback Lane in Caledonia, Ontario, the Wet'suwet'en Land Defenders in British Columbia, and the Mi'kmaq right here in Nova Scotia. They're still selling their lobster. All of the restaurants here, a bunch of them have stopped selling uh, lobster that aren't from the Mi'kmaq fisheries. 
and there are funds and I am putting links in the description for all of these Uh, shout out to Aaron who asked for those links directly last week. Um, If you want to support these indigenous people and first nations fighting for their treaty rights that the government agreed and signed with another nation and has chosen to violate repeatedly, you can do that at the links in the podcast description. Mm -hmm. Have you picked up some lobster? I know last time you said, uh, you, you couldn't make it. They're selling it in front of City Hall or something like that. Yeah, they they sold a bunch, but I have not acquired any lobster. I'm I'm not a big fan of lobster, but that's fair. Right. That's okay. We discuss this. I love lobster. So I buy uh, some and send it to me. Yeah, I could. You you put them in those like foam cooler things at the airport here. There's like a ship lobster somewhere, uh, like mm. store. But I could do something like that. But send you a lobster. That's sweet. Although I have Maybe no idea is. how to like cook a lobster. I know you just sort of like burn them alive or whatever. I Boil think it's like a, 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 a like a the shell changes color and once it hits a color you're like ah good good lobster. <laughs> I I I much rather just pay someone to do it to be perfect. Honest. That's fair. I'm a, I feel like I'm a good cook, but there's certain things where I'm just like, eh, I don't know. Lobsters are already kind of gross creatures. I wouldn't want to like screw it up. I'm always afraid when I like cook uh, like beef or whatever because or um, yeah because if you like screw that up you'll die basically. So I don't want yeah do that. you could mess up fish pretty <laughs> bad. Uh, along the line of uh, indigenous people in Canada here, Steve, I want to plug uh, Megan Byrne, one of our former interviewees and friend of the show and in our Discord, hosted a night of the indigenous devs talking to indigenous game developers about their game. And the pre-recorded er, video will be debuting on YouTube on Monday from 7 to 8 Eastern. Uh, I'll put a link to that also in the show notes so you can get in the chat. She'll be there talking about all the different games. Um, if you've ever done a YouTube like premiere thing before, it's, like at a certain time it starts playing the video that's been pre-recorded and there's like a chat with people hanging out so uh check out some of the indigenous developers some of whom uh, live in the land we now call canada and there's some cool games mm-hmm. all right let's get into jobs steve at the top of the show we have three jobs to plug big week canuck play of course still trying to fill some slots for their upcoming project uh they are looking for these are all full-time roles at their Peterborough office in Ontario. A senior Unity game developer, a Unity game developer, a character technical animator, and a 3D modeler for static objects. If you fit any of those, check out jobs at connectplay.com to send your CV or, of course, canadiangamedevs.com slash jobs. New job, uh, Stormy Shore in Paradise, Newfoundland is looking for a designer. Um, they say in the description here, uh, if you have level design experience or experience writing game design documents, implementing those designs, quest pathing, trigger placement, quote unquote, finding the fun, uh, you should consider this role. They're looking for someone who has education in post-secondary game design programs, uh, experience with Unreal Engine 4 and GitHub, uh, preference to applications with prior industry experience. Uh, they are open to remote. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what regiment means? It I- says... A relevant work for regiment and or relocation. I I don't know actually. So I would just apply, and then <laughs> uh, I mean, if it's an interest to you, I would just apply and then just see like how that conversation goes. Um, yeah, because uh, I think Paradise Newfoundland. Like I I didn't even know that place existed to be perfectly honest. When they were t- when I was talking to them, I had to like Google it. See, it looks like a really nice, cool community, but it's also a pretty far travel if you're the Rock. Yeah. 
I, I don't uh, think I know any other places in Newfoundland other than like St. John's. So I couldn't, I couldn't name one. There's other studios there. There's the, uh, other ocean. Um, I thought they were, I thought they were like New Brunswick. They are Newfoundland PI in s- somewhere in California. Oh yeah. Look at that. Um, Last job to plug today, Steve. Hard Suit Labs, uh, makers of. Hold on, it's a big one. I forget. It's it just got delayed too, so that's probably why they're looking for people. The blood, the mask, that blood masquerade vampire game. Um, I don't know to be honest. They're looking for a lead game designer at their Seattle studio. Uh, vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines Two. Uh, they also did Blacklight Retribution. Rest in peace. PS4. Uh, multiplayer game is where i played it um but yeah so they are looking uh for someone to collaborate closely with design leadership and their multidisciplinary teams to create immersive and rewarding gameplay systems to keep players engaged and motivated previous knowledge of unreal engine 4 and blueprints is desired um at least five years of systems design experience with at least two years as a team lead as someone who's applied for many jobs that list more years than you have i would recommend just applying and if they like you they'll pick you mm-hmm uh, an understanding of AAA and RPG game development pipelines, Unreal Engine 4, Blueprints, and yeah, that'll be on our site, canadiangames.com slash jobs. I think they're looking for someone in studio, but they're willing to relocate you. Is that correct, Steve? Yeah, basically, because they're an American studio in Seattle, um, so I was talking to the person. Uh, but basically, you know, I, again, I would just like apply and just see like where that conversation goes, but they might be like, they might be able to do like a visa thing or mm-hmm. remote work. Um, if you, if you like can work that time zone or whatever. So if it's something that interests you, I would just apply and then just see where that conversation goes. Just apply for the jobs. That's basically mm-hmm. where you go. I forgot that they did blacklight retribution. That game's still on, on PS4 though. I think it was just shut down on PC. I'm not sure. Can't confirm or deny. Yeah. Those are all the jobs. com slash jobs. Check them all out. I'm going to move events to the end of the podcast now, Steve. I think uh, that's a good good note to close out on. You know, as people go down to pick up their phone to pick the next episode, maybe they put it in their calendar. Who knows? Um, so we're just going to move straight into the news. Skypire Studios launched The Blobs Fight on Steam, Xbox, and itch.io. If you're unfamiliar, uh, Sky or Skypire is an Ottawa-based independent game studio. Uh and the Blobs Fight is a multiplayer arena party game. They support one to eight players locally. Quote, run around as a blob, attacking other players to knock pieces off of off them. Oh, there might be a typo on this. If you collect those pieces, you get bigger. So it's kind of like a like literally like a blob situation where you like you suck stuff in and mm-hmm. get bigger. Mm-hmm. You want to be the last blob standing. And uh, they also have a King of the Hill mode, uh, nine maps ranging from lava covered apocalypse to laser filled combat arenas. You can also team up in Mob Blobs game mode pve mode where players defend their zone against an onslaught of mechanical enemies it's cute i like the trailer and i have not played it they sent us code so we could definitely check it out and give some more impressions i played um, it at uh eglx like i don't know whenever the hell you oh you know what i have played this i did play this at eglx <laughs> yeah i did so i didn't play i played it the one when it was like far actually i forget which one i played at, but i have played this or i think because i think there were students i might have played this at like uh that um what was that student uh, event thingy? I forget what it was called. It's here in Toronto. I definitely have played this though, and it's fun. It's like a fun, kooky, like multiplayer thing. Sort of like you know how Runbo was really cool when you get like in a group of group of people together and stuff like that. So, 
and as you always say, pick it up on Ichio so that the devs get more more of uh, that moolah. How, how does it work again with Ichio? Like it's not 70-30, it's... Ichio, you can set whatever you want. So you could literally set, you could launch your project and set it as 100% goes to you. And the default, I think, is still 1288 or 1090 or something. Um, mm. But there's there's no real requirement for what Ichio gets. So so the dev sets it. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but the default I think is like ninety ten or eighty eight twelve or something. Yeah, I mean, I would just, I would just do like I guess you don't want to like screw them over. Do ninety five five? I guess I don't know. <laughs> you can always change it too. So like, launch it for a hundred, and once you like break even, start giving them more or mm. yeah, however you want to do it. That's cool. Cool, cool. It is cool. Uh, next bit of news today: Love, a puzzle box full of stories, is finally out. Steve, a long in development, uh, Saint Catherine's based rocket ship park. Uh, has released it on Steam with a launch discount. Still in effect, 20 bucks Canadian. Every life has a story. Every story has a regret. But what if you could change the past? Love is a puzzle game about finding the things we've lost in ourselves and the people who help us find them. Uh, I streamed it on our Twitch this week, twitch.tv slash kinggamedevs. Um, the developer Shane was in the chat helping me out. We also had some other people just hanging out. It was a good time. I had a lot of fun with it. It's gorgeous. I love the soundtrack. Have more songs in your games with vocals. People are cowards for not doing that. And <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with it. Uh, you also gave it a shot. What did you think? I played, yeah, I played not for very long. I played it for like 15, 20 minutes or whatever, just with a laptop on my lap. Um, and it, you know, I wanted to control with like a mouse, like controlling with a keyboard is not as good. But uh, it's pretty cool. Like, it's a really neat idea. Um, and definitely some sad stories in it, though. Yo, like, right away, spoilers for the first, like, I guess 30 seconds of this game. But there's this uh, man and woman, and they're obviously being cute together. And then you, you spin it around from the past to the future. Like, you spin individual levels of, like, an apartment complex. And then suddenly he's holding an urn. And I was yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> this game is going to make me sad. Yeah, he takes the urn up to the top of the... The roof and, and he, or whatever. he sits on this couch where they used to like watch the stars together and then it seemed like one of the stories was like um they were like yelling and, and abusive and stuff like that was the past i think i don't know it was <laughs> there was some deep deep shit in it but i enjoyed what i play i want to play more and mm-hmm. um yeah and, and, and congrats to the rocket ship park for for releasing i know like i remember i think i've mentioned this a few times like i remember shane telling me about this game like f- five years ago uh, and his vision for the game and stuff. And it's actually like pretty still pretty similar. I think when he told me about it, it would actually be like two towers and like mm-hmm. one, ta- like the left side was like the past and the right side was the present. But now it's like one tower that you kind of rotate and stuff like that and try to figure it out. Um, but it's all told through like pictures and stuff like that. Really cool. Uh, congrats to them. And uh, I would recommend picking it up for sure. I would as well. Did you find the Canadian? Because he put our logo in there too, didn't he? Somewhere I haven't found it, or maybe he just did it for like a, a tweet, and it's not mm-hmm. actually in the game. I don't know, but because uh, I saw the one billboard, and if you click it, you see some other like, um, like it was Rocket Ship Park, and then if you click it, I think like uh, I think um, ah oh man, what's the the Pixel Knots? I think was one of them and stuff like that. So he's they gave out some love to some other indie studios, but see the Canadian game does one, but I don't know if there's like another like. Uh, apartment building and stuff. Some love. Yeah. Some lo- <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next one is today. British Columbia based Hinterland Studios. Developers of the, of course, critically acclaimed and 
winner of CanadianGameDevs.com Game of the Year 2019 for Episode 3, The Long Dark, Steve. They have a upcoming Halloween event, Escape the Dark Walker. It'll run from October 29th to November 12th. Quote, in an endless night, you are stalked by an invisible, malevolent entity bent on your destruction. Keep your distance from the entity for as long as you can. Once it closes in on you, you die. The only objective is to survive for as many real-time minutes as you can. Uh, the minutes is funny. Like, they don't think you'll survive hours. <laughs> the, uh, the art they've shown for it is really spooky. Like, the fires are green now, and, like, all the animals are dead everywhere. Like, something just killed them. Like, mm. sucked the soul out of their body, and they just dropped. It's spooky, Steve. That's, that's crazy because you actually use the animals. Like, you can kill animals in the game to eat them and stuff like that, too. So, I like how they say minutes, though. <laughs> uh, that's fun. If you, make you, played, you got into Long Dark last year. Oh, I, I was loving this game. I, I need to get back into it. Um, I just fell out of it. But I loved the difficulty of it and, like, how every decision kind of had some weight to it. Because, like, basically, if you wanted to go, say, to the top of the map or whatever because you knew there was a hidden cache there, you know, the like that would that would eat away at your calories and your sleep and stuff like that um and then you know if you got attacked by a wolf that ruins your clothes like that would just like absolutely destroy you in terms of hyperthermia and all that stuff like there was so much weight to every decision you made and i loved it i remember like walking across the water and i saw the little icon and, and the sound for like um for the thin ice and then suddenly i fell into the ice and had hyperthermia and i was just like oh shit i'm fucked so <laughs> so it's uh it's really cool. I need to. I did episode one and two because they mm-hmm. they only have the three episodes of the five. Yeah, they're right they're putting now. a lot of time into them. Yeah, so um, I think because they're focusing more on the rogue like part of it, like the survival part. I'm on the subreddit too, and I see people like doing some cool shit. So it's got a passionate uh, fan base, and it's cool that they're doing this event. And I I'm not surprised that like they could just like up the difficulty because apparently the hardest difficulty is like ridiculous. Like you basically, you will just, you will basically just be fucked. Like as soon as it turns dark and you have nowhere to go. (laughs) So cool. I would jump back in on next gen. I, the biggest issue I had in Xbox was load times. Like even going in and out of doors Mm. was like 30 seconds a minute. And that just, that eats away at your, your patience. Yeah, we were talking before we recorded about some of the games we we're just excited to dive back into just because the load times are going to be like way better. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, you're right. I think this might be one of those where you don't have to wait kind of so long. Between yeah, and that's not you- something that's not something they need to to like patch or anything. So they're just loading it off the, the SSD. Like, there's there won't be any graphical improvements or anything, but it'll just load faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, that's a good call. Uh, yeah, I think I will actually November. What are we? November thirteenth, twelfth. For for what? Next gen twelfth is PS five. Tenth is no. Ten, oh geez, you're messing me up. No, I think you're right. I think it's tenth and twelfth. PS five release date. I should know this. November twelfth is PS five. Tenth is Series S X. There you go. Yeah. So we got it. So we'll. I'll try it on the twelfth. Basically. I want to try control again because those load times mm. on my Xbox were like minutes between deaths. It was horrible. Yeah, that control was awful in terms mm-hmm. of just the structure of it, I guess. And uh, I'm excited for Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles because I remember I picked it up. I was so excited to play it. And the load time, like there's so much loading in that game. There's so many stupid cutscenes that are just pointless and it'd be, mm-hmm. you can't skip anything. And I'm like, oh my God, like waiting like 20, 30 seconds between the stuff because. Because on GameCube, like I like I don't 
think load times were an issue on GameCube because the 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 DVD like the mini DVD thing. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna Final Fantasy Chris Chronicles is one I want to dive back into. You know what game probably has really good load times? Can't confirm. What's that? Fractor from Toronto-based 4L Games, which has just come to the Nintendo Switch. This is an isometric 3D puzzle adventure game set in a mysterious dark labyrinth. Uh, let me let me grab the price for the, for the folks at home. I haven't heard about this one. Fractor follows a veiled young hero who has set out on a perilous quest for light through a cryptic labyrinth of shadows. An emotive isometric puzzle adventure game set in a mysterious labyrinth of glowing black architecture. It is six bucks Canadian. Ooh, that's a good price. That's a great price. So the game is out on iOS, Android, and on Steam as well. Mm-hmm. But everyone Switch. has to flip the Switch eventually, Steve. Exactly. Hey, I'm getting my Joy-Con back too. So I need to send mine. I just got. I got. I got to make a to-do list and do that. I have two that fucked up, but yeah, check out Fractor on Switch. Uh. Got four more for you today, Steve. Next up, uh, I found this interesting fact about Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, there's a someone I follow who just essentially just finds um, random game facts about development stuff. Uh, BogoRad222 at on Twitter. Um, they were digging into uh, some people's LinkedIn profiles, and they found Ken Epstein, a uh, former uh, head up at EA said that, quote, Dragon Age Inquisition beat its sales forecast by 55%. That's huge, Steve. Mm. It was the third game, correct, in the Dragon Age series. Um, yes. So by that point, the third in a franchise, you have a pretty good idea of what it's going to sell, and those projections would be pretty solid, and it beat that by 55%. I'm sure the massive Game of the Year bump at the Game Awards helped, Um and everyone I knew who was into just even RPGs, not even Dragon Age, was playing it when it came out. And the fact that it did so well, I think, speaks to why Dragon Age 4 is taking so long. Because they've got money in the bank and high expectations. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think part of it, too, is like it was... It was on PS4 and, and Xbox. Like, it was one of the first... It was on PS3 as well, but it was... It felt like a next gen game. I remember like playing it and just like how it looked and and stuff like that. I was like this, this like really does kind of look like a next gen game, even though it's it was on the previous generation. So I think that was part of it. Um, I thought the story was like really cool too. I I liked drink. Did you play it? I know you're not a big RPG person. I played a couple hours, and my friend Cody, who lived with me when it came out, uh, played the entire game, and I sort of just watched vicariously through him. Yeah, true. I thought it, I I really liked it. I got all the DLC. I played that. Um, I'm surprised that they went to Anthem. Like you think that they would have just gone straight to Dragon Age Three, like a proper one, um, or whatever, whatever they do. I guess, but I don't know. They made. I Anthem, guess technically just... they went to Andromeda first, although that wasn't Bioware proper. Yeah. True. True. I yeah. I don't know if Bioware even worked like Edmonton Bioware even worked on it on uh, Andromeda other than just maybe being like this is how you do a Mass Effect game or something um but cool yeah I mean Dragon Age Inquisition was a great game but it's also the last Dragon Age and it's now like seven years old at this point so it came out November 18th 2014 and swept a bunch of awards at the Game Awards that year as well as the Golden Joystick Awards Game Critics Award Dice Awards 
uh, South by Southwest Gaming Awards cleaned up. And um, Dragon Age 4 or 3 or whatever they decide to call the next one probably is still like at least two years out, I'm thinking. Oh, uh, we, we had that story earlier where they were like at least spring 2021 to... It was that year. It was no, they announced it would be in that fiscal year, which which begins spring 2021 and ends spring 2022. Yeah, and I mean, we haven't even seen it. We've just seen concept art. Like, three mm. times in a row, we've seen concept art for mm. it and stuff. So, um, yeah, we'll see. They'll probably announce something at N7 Day for Mass Effect uh, on November 7th. So, I assume that'll be, like, the next-gen collection, probably. Yeah, probably. I, I'd be shocked if, because of all the different leaks that have happened, like, I'll be shocked if on November 7th we don't get Mass Effect trilogy on, like, do like, four, do all four cowards. Andromeda won't. has good you know, stuff in it. No, they won't. <laughs> but see, the 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 Batman argument doesn't work for me because Warner Brothers is a completely different company than Rocksteady. So yeah. when people are like, "Oh, they couldn't put it in because they no," this is all Bioware. But even I think they want to because studio in a different city. I mean, this game killed a studio, so I think they just want to like forget that it even existed. Yeah, I think. They would do a disservice to Mass Effect fans to have an incomplete collection. I think uh, I think you better set yourself up for the for not being in the collection. I'm set up for disappointment constantly, Steve. Don't worry. The video game <laughs> industry like never finds never never fails to disappoint me. Just like at all walks in life, just you're just constantly set up to be disappointed. <laughs> uh, I got you. Don't worry. Another BC studio has released Shakedown Hawaii on Steam. Uh, they previously were only on like Wii U and Wii and uh, I think a couple other platforms, but it's now on Steam. It's got a launch discount for the rest of this week for 16 bucks. Um, it's by V Blank Entertainment in Vancouver. Uh, they're famous for, was that retro city rampage yeah i thought so i didn't want to say it in case it wasn't but i, I should have just gone for it i was confident okay i'm on the website it's it's out now on ps3 ps4 okay. ps vita nintendo switch nintendo 3ds wii wii u and now steam Still there's also the final an, frontier that's the reverse an, <laughs> of like every indie game steve <laughs> there's also an epic game store logo on here too so I don't ooh, know. ooh um yeah, this is like a class. What, what's the game? This is this is mimicking. It's a, a GTA one and two. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what Retro City Rampage was, and I think this is sort of like I guess this is like the Vice City. But looking at the trailer, like I haven't. Yeah, this is basically just um, GTA like one and two. So like I love the, the pixel art. I, like it's usually like a kind of slightly askew top down, but when it goes to like the character art, <laughs> it's very good. It's, yeah. it's very pretty. His, uh, the first game was good. Um, is it Retro October City? 2012? Yeah, Retro City Rampage, um, which also came out to a bunch of stuff. Let me, actually, let me just read. The, here's the logos for Retro City Rampage. Oh, PS4, geez. PS3, PS Vita, PSP, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, Nintendo 3DS, the Windows sign, the Apple sign, Linux, MS-DOS, iOS, Android, Google Play. I'm guessing that's, that's 15 platforms, Steve. <laughs> but um, no itch.io here let, hold on, if i click buy now oh, okay yeah he just has it Here's oh you can also just i think just straight up buy the executable from his site i think for some reason he has a guacamole like on his site <laughs> huh. i wonder wonder if they are friends or consulted or something yeah maybe 
Last two today, Steve, running through these quick. Depaneur Nocturne, contender for one of my favorite Canadian games of the year. Mm. Just one of my favorite games of the year at all, not even Canadian. That was the uh, had, little the co-op then, right? Uh, yeah, co-op mini. Uh, mm. Co-op K-O-O-P, not co-op like the form of local multiplayer uh, or online multiplayer. It's a beautiful game. It's a short game, but very, very affecting, I would say. Uh, they've done a Halloween update, um, so I'm going to jump back in. Probably, I'll, I'll save it for Halloween. I, I, I have a couple of games I want to play the Halloween event on Halloween. New costumes, new seasonal decorations. They added a terrible little face to the turnip. New items in the stop and other festive secrets. There were so many secrets in this game. Like I played through like three or four times, and I was still finding different things that were like huge areas of this this level I didn't find before. And uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's cute. I highly recommend everyone check it out. Nice. Uh, but check it out on Itch.io. That's right. And I think you get a Steam key anyway. Lastly today, Steve, the Darkest Dungeon is getting a board game. They have a Kickstarter, I'm sure is well blown. But yep, okay, they set a goal of 393,000 Canadian. Guess what they're at, Steve? Three hundred uh, Half a mil? They're at 2.5 million Canadian dollars. Oh, my God, really? <laughs> and uh, it's uh, 12 days left. Holy shit. So the board game isn't being developed by the Vancouver-based um, Red Hook Studios. It's being developed by Mythic Games, Inc. in Newark, D.E. What is that? Den? That's not Denmark, is it? D.E.? D.E.? Newark, D.E. I feel like that's a state abbreviation. That's a district. Um... Delaware, Delaware. Mm. Anyway. Oh, uh, everyone forgets about Delaware. Everyone forgets about Delaware. Uh yeah, they have uh, all, uh, let's see what the top tier back is. Those are always fun. If you back 150 US or more, you get the core game, uh, all the stretch goal content, uh, the expansion pack, uh, and a free mini. It's a, it's, it's a mini-based game. I'm not a huge board game aficionado, Steve. It's not my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. um, but I'll, I'll read the little top description here. Darkest Dungeon, registered trademark, colon, the board game is a cooperative dungeon crawler for one to four players, accept missions, dispatch imminent threats, and help restore the heir's mansion to its former glory. But beware, either at death's door or at your wit's end, you will have to uproot evil itself from the darkest dungeon. That's essentially how the main games work. You have a party of four and you send them in to fight different monsters. So they're, they're trying to replicate that. They say one to four players, uh, estimated 90 minutes. So that's about three hours and uh, 14 years or older. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they, um, blew past their goal like instantly and I'm sure are going to probably top 3 million for this board games are absurd on Kickstarter. Are they? I, I, I'm like you. I, I don't, I'm not a big board game, board game person. We don't even have any, um, in the house. Um, and I really only play when I'm like with Heather's family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Damn. The average backer is $172. That's crazy. Yeah, board board no, Steve, board game people are nuts. They are absolute fanatics. Wow. I mean, good on them. So, I I still haven't played this. It's on my it, I'm going to rant about this later. It used to be on my PlayStation wish list. Um <laughs> but, <laughs> that, but that's gone now. So, I <laughs> Is it still gone? Yeah, it's still gone. So Oh, this this PlayStation store man on on the website is so f- bad but save it for the discussion steve all right um so yeah i i still haven't played it it like i said it was on my wish list a little bit i maybe one day i'll get to it or something like that if it ever goes on ps now or ps plus or something like that but uh cool for fans of the genre of the game but that is a crazy 
Kickstarter. Like, 12 days left. Like, this thing could easily... Like, this thing will hit 3 million. Like, it could even go to 4. So... It could, it could. I'll have to check it out. But I have no, I'm not going to back it just because I'm not a board game person. Also, yeah, the I'm minimum not... one is a dollar, but the minimum thing is... So yeah, that gets you into, like, the backer kit thing where you can edit it around and pick what mm. you want. Mm. I see, I see. Yeah, and then the next... There's three tiers. A dollar to get in and do the um, thing, but you don't get the Musketeer Mini. Or $100 or $150 US to get the game with the stretch goal box and the mini or the game with the expansion, the stretch goals and the mini. So the um, average, let me do this math again. So it's two, five, nine, six, eight, seven divided doing by some quick maths from Steve. 14, five, five, six. So the, yeah, the average backer is $178 and US. that's not even, you no, can't even, that's Canadian. You can't even like the high, the largest, backer tier is 150 dollars so like did someone like that is 150 crazy. us though steve the top number is canadian the backer number is us oh yeah yeah so the top tier in canadian is 197 okay so that i guess that makes a little bit more sense but i gotcha <laughs> also my cat's going nuts tori just grabbed a slice of pizza <laughs> you know what we were talking earlier about time zones and i'm still not with you on the game rid of time zones we should be on one currency <laughs> Just one Earth currency. I feel and like just, that's harder than. Oh, it's way harder. <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> especially because some countries are like, you know, their currency is just like absolute trash. Um, although, although Steve, if you had to be on the same currency, it would deter the U.S. from tanking other economies like they do. Um, so maybe you're right. Yeah, I I really just kind of hate converting and and all that shit. So, um, but anyways, anyways. Yeah. Check out cool Darkest Dungeon. Cool board game nerds. The board game for uh, neckbeards everywhere. No, that's mean. That's mean. I know some not neckbeards who play board games, but there's a stereotype. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Red Hook Studios. Um, they may be coming back for Wishlist This. Wink, wink. Oh. Um, but that's it for the news this week. Uh, check out all these stories and more. Canadiangatives.com. Now we're on the wish list this Steve. This segment, of course, is inspired by me joining this podcast and listening to you and Brett uh, just wish list games while we were talking about them. So I figured, why not highlight three upcoming Canadian-made games each week that you have to add to your wish list right now? The segment has expanded to include email uh, list signups or non-Steam platforms like uh, Itch.io, Epic Games. And now, this week, on Game Jolt... I want to plug Moonshell Island from Cheeky Knots. Uh, it's a two-developer team, it looks like. Uh, they just have Canada in their Twitter bio. Quote, I'm not going to do the movie theater voice for this one because it's like a really cute game. So I'm going to do, Moonshell Island is an action adventure with RPG and simulation elements set in a whimsical island featuring charming characters, a satisfying action battle system, minigames, and a heartwarming tale of achieving dreams, supporting friends, and building a community. They only have a game jolt page now for those who don't know game jolts another pc um game store um, but their their page has five thousand almost five thousand views a bunch of likes and you can follow them and when you follow them you will get email notifications um as well as when they post uh, updates to the game's development there's some gorgeous gorgeous pixel art in this game and gif singular in the description but that's okay they got time i'm i'm waiting i'm trying to there's also a video too 
Um, and also, if you go to their Patreon, apparently a demo is coming soon to their Patreon. I'm trying to see a battle. Like a, they mentioned a battle. I want to see a mm-hmm. battle. Um, um, this game is cute as hell, though. Three three person team. Art and design by Krabby Sam. Programming by Shoddy. And a soundtrack by Anna Eichenauer, who is from LA. So it's the other two are from Canada. But two thirds Canadian team on this game. And yeah, I dig the style. This was featured in a, one of those wholesome game directs, which is where I first saw it. Mm. Uh, it's cute. It's cute. Uh, what do you think looking at this Game Jolt page, Steve? Yeah, super cute. I'm liking it. I don't know what the hell Game Jolt is. I had no idea that was a thing that ex- so this is another like steam basically there's no uh launcher or oh no they do have a launcher i think oh geez you're exposing my game jolt ignorance i don't use it yeah there's a client so um you can download it and launch games through it it's a lot lower profile of course than steam and i guess epic now but um it's a big big uh place for indies i see all right well I'm, i gotta sign up to and all right follow this game so Give me a moment. Um, I did, will definitely not make. Actually, I'm just going to make this the Canadian Game Devs account, by the way. I'll play the sound here anyway, because we know it's going to happen. Yeah. All right, Steve. Next game uh, we talked about two weeks ago on the show because they launched a Kickstarter, but unfortunately weren't able to reach their goal. But Dirty Land by Naturally Intelligent in Calgary, Alberta, has put up a Steam page with a release date of hopefully uh, it is a quote video game about being a real estate agent salesman, real estate salesman in the eighties. Uh, we talked about it before. It's, uh, how would you describe this? One of those like classic pixel art point and click adventures. I'm um, thinking like monkey Island or yeah, Thimbleweed exactly. park is Brian. No, who's that guy? He's at grumpy old gamer on Twitter and he's like the monkey Island guy. Everyone talks about. Uh, that I don't know because I didn't play the Monkey Island games. My my history with these type of games is like the Indiana Jones, uh, Fate of Atlantis, and mm. uh, there was Dig. A lot of the Lucas Arts um, kind of games from back in the day. Um, so it's that, and yeah, it looks pretty cool. I think I don't know if you like. I can't remember if you did, but I I did the Kickstarter. But yeah, I got the email today or whatever that they didn't hit it. Uh, but it is on Steam, um, and it looks pretty cool. And you know. Video game about a real estate salesman in the eighties. I'm down with that. I like all Ron Gilbert. Ron Gilbert, one of the devs on uh, Monkey Island and some of those classic ones, uh, who has since released Thimbleweed Park, which was another one of those sort of sort of throwback games with some modern sensibilities. And you know what? They got they got some gifts too that show some of the animation and style of the game. So it's very gritty, um, and uh, I'm excited for this one actually. So we were discussing before like the release date is hopefully <laughs> which <laughs> yeah uh, you know you got to be honest so it's happened though before steve there is a, a game i backed like a year or two ago called raji from an indian uh, uh india the country developer who was trying to make a sort of side scrolling action platformer about indian culture and using like indian deities and stuff mm-hmm. i backed it they didn't hit their goal they got to like 40 or 50 percent but they were able to secure funding through, I think, Xbox and Nintendo to get on those platforms and uh, did eventually come out this year. Um, so a failed Kickstarter is not a death sentence. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes funding comes through because of that or, you know, maybe it's a side project for them. And so that they just it has to continue being a side project so that it comes out a little bit later. But mm-hmm. whatever the case, um, it's 
it looks pretty cool. I'm excited for it. Have they Me done too. something before? Is this like their first game, Naturally Intelligence? Do we know the size of the... Let's check they their or? website. Um, they're from Calgary, Alberta. They've released, ooh, several games. Don't oh, Be Patchman, uh, Forehead Chip, <laughs> Astrum the Space Sega, Don't Be Patchman 1. <laughs> uh, so yeah, several indie games out in the world. Ooh, their copyright is 2006 to 2020, so they've been at this for a while. Oh, then what do we know? So they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Last game today, Steve. Of course, the big Canadian news of the week oh, was... D- you, you didn't ask me, though. You didn't ask me. Oh, you're right. Good catch. Steve, I got to ask, is Dirty Land by Naturally Intelligent on your Steam wish list? Yes, it is. Excellent. All right, Steve. Last game today for wish list this. Big announcement. Darkest Dungeon 2 is coming in 2021. It's going to be an epic exclusive, and it's going to be early access this i think is the way things are going we of course had rogue legacy to go early access epic exclusive we had industry of titan from another vancouver studio go epic store early access um it's just i think hades also played a big role in that the the roguelike from supergiant that came out this year mm-hmm. once you've established yourself as a studio like cellar door like brace yourself games and now like red hook studios you have a community who is going to be there with you. You're going to have the, the hardest thing is to get playtesters and to refine your systems down to a point where it's as, you know, industry shattering as I think Hades was this year. And this, the sequel to this beloved, brutally hard, um, side scrolling. No, what, what is this called game? What is darkest dungeon? How would you describe it? I don't know. I haven't played it. We were just talking. Uh, about I should, I played a lot of it and never beat it. Darkest Dungeon is a role-playing video. That doesn't help. It's you, like a, isn't it like a, a tile-based kind of RPG? It's kind of like a dungeon crawler. Yeah, and the the game did great. It's on everything. I played it PS4 and then cross-play with PS Vita and then got on Switch to get the DLC. I loved it. And they announced the game, like, Darkest Dungeon 2, like, like oh, I want to say two years. I was still in university, so, like, at least two or three years ago. And they had a great trailer. The narrator's back. The narrator, of course, is the famous um, deep-throated voice guy who who, uh, narrates your adventure. And this new trailer, Steve, is interesting. I want you to click this YouTube link and watch along with me. They're they're kind of evolving their, their style from the first game to more of a 3D art style. And so you'll notice when a character model pops up, you can kind of spin around them and there's depth to it now. Whereas... Darkest Dungeon 1 was all 2D uh, flat, but Darkest Dungeon 3 is going for a 3D, almost like it, it's almost like Telltale games, you know, where it's those thick black lines around the character and, and on their skin. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very impressed. Of course, going to 3D is a monumental task. Uh, 2D is, is a lot easy, not easier. 2D is a lot, um, I don't want to say easier 3d jumping from 2d to 3d when you have an established art style is a huge task. And, uh, I, I really dig it. Um, a lot of people get upset when sequels ditch the art style. Nidhogg two was so divisive because people loved the, the very basic style of the original and didn't like where they went with it. But I think this is a way to evolve the art style and still stay to that, that, that look from the first game. Mm Mm-hmm. Lash your gear to the stagecoach, fix your eyes on the horizon, and prepare to roll into early access. What do you think, Steve? Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks really, really cool. I want to see some 
gameplay to see if it kind of changes with what you're saying about the um, about the art style and stuff like that going from 2D to 3D and whatnot. Like I like I mentioned, I haven't played this game. It was on my wish list. I'm going to complain about that in a second. Um, but I, I I never got around to playing it, so it looks cool. I like the style and all that stuff, but I I have no like affinity or like love towards this game mm. just because I never I never really played it. But it does look neat. It's got my attention for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I remember reading an interview with Red Hook when they announced the game several years ago and where the first game had like this this Hamlet town where you would, you know, take um, your, your party to level them up and hang out and do stuff in between dives mm-hmm. into the dungeon. This new game is going to be, uh, they've, they've teased it sort of like a game in motion where you have like a caravan and you're sort of trudging through, it looks like, like a snow, snowy mountainscape. And you'll have a, a caravan of different things people can do and that like people and you can add to that or take away from it if, if you mess up. And that's lots of lots of little things changing for this one that I think is going to make it cool and staying with early access. I assume it'll be like a year like most games and just having those hundreds of thousands probably of people playtesting, giving feedback will just make that version 1.0 all the sweeter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have I have some thoughts on early access that um that i like that i kind of want to just like mention at some point doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be on this episode but like because early access is like strictly an indie thing you don't see triple a games like going into early access and well like tet like go, like being labeled as early access and i think it's time to just like for for that to happen because People are like writing off these like you don't write off a game that's in early access. You either just like we're like, oh, OK, I'll just wait to buy it or you cop it and know that it's like a game that's going to be worked on. Right. But a game like, you know, Avengers, Fallout 76, like all these games could have been in early access, probably should have been. Mm-hmm. And people have like completely written off these games. Um, like, but, you know, if it if it launched like at <coughs> uh 75% reduction or, or two thirds or something like that or half or whatever. And then was launched as early access. And then like a year later gets the full, like when fallout 76 wastelanders came out, that, that's the, now the fallout 76 is full price. Mm-hmm. I think like people like, I think it's time that these AAA studios, like just start to open up about this idea that they've already been releasing games as early access. It's time to like label them and price them effectively. Because the indie scene is like really like there's some great games that are on early access that come in the indie scene and and um, and I think it's time that the stuff just kind of starts bleeding into AAA. But I've just been thinking about that lately because I've been playing Marvel's Avengers like more and more. But uh, anyways, that has nothing to do with Dar- Darkest Dungeon Two. It looks sweet. You can ask me the question now, Steve. <laughs> I have to ask: Is Darkest Dungeon Two on your epic wish list? Yes, it is. Excellent. That's it and for I wish. Picked, Ooh, and yeah. oh, sorry, I was going to say I picked up the free games too. The on Epic. Oh, cool. Uh, you probably you might was Darkest Dungeon out? No, it wasn't a PS Plus game. Never mind. Uh, no, I don't have it. I know it was on my wish list, and I think it was on sale. Like, because I think it was the like the complete edition or something. Mm, like the that. ancestral edition. Yeah, it was on sale for like twenty bucks, and I almost copped it, but I, I ended up not. Should um, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I mean, let me search it up right now. See, see what's going on. But speaking of the wish list, I mean, <sighs> let's dive into Discord discussion this week. Steve, PlayStation looked at their uh, their their store and they said, "Hmm, it's kind of garbage. It's bad. <laughs> what if we just made it a little bit worse?" 
And that was the experience you had this week. Tell me about it. Oh my God. So yeah, if you go to, so I never really used the oh, store. I'm going to look at it right now. I haven't looked at it by the way. So I'm clicking right now. I have never used the store on the PS4. Like I rarely do. And I had all, and like, I would just go into the, the PlayStation store on, on a computer and do everything. And you can get the wish list and all that stuff. And we've complained before the wish list was never like, um, was never like future games, but like what I would use it for is, is finding out like just put a game on my wish list. And then anytime a sale comes up, just like go through it to see if like a game is on sale. And that was like the easiest way to do it. They don't even email you. Like even Nintendo emails you. No, I know. I know. I know. It's ridiculous. But now if you go to it, it really just like highlights like big games. Like it's really just like shoving FIFA in your mouth and or in your face rather and watchdogs and all this other shit. And in order to browse, it's like it's just shit. And it's like it's just really annoying. Like like I'm on and like legit they got rid of wish list. And as someone who is very analytically driven. My job is basically analytics. Like, I can't believe they got rid of the wish list. Like, they got rid of a feature that shows like people's buying interests. Like, I, it, it infuriates me so much. And and I use it. I was using it so much, and I'm like, what are you guys even thinking? Like, why would you? Like, why would you get rid of this? I don't. I don't get it. I don't know if it's coming back, but they said like. I can't remember if it was like a rumor or whatever, but basically they were saying like someone was saying that the store would change on the, on the mobile cause or on the computer. Cause I think now going forward, if you want to buy PS3 or Vita games, you can only do that on the systems itself. Correct. So, if, so if you want to buy a Vita game, you can't do that on like store.playstation.com. You have to buy it on the Vita and the Vita store is like a terrible. Awful. It's, it's the PS3 like old store. Yeah, it's it's terrible. All right, so I'm, I'm just like I'm on the page. I, I had to sign in, and yeah, it's straight up just FIFA 21 takes up the entire page. I have to scroll down, and then it's like Watch Dogs, COD, NHL, Star- Squadrons, and then you scroll down. Uh, I assume these new games are just like literally the most released or cur- latest release games. Then big PlayStation Now banner uh, coming soon though, Steve. That's new. If I click on this Ghost Runner game, it's not out yet. Um, does it have like a release date and info yet? So it has release dates, bunch of details, trailers, some screenshots. Okay. Okay. What's under coming soon. Um, so, I mean, the coming soon thing is not okay. Here we go. So what is it? This is, I'm going to view all, a, I'm going to view all coming soon. And you got, I think it's by, I think it's by date too, because this, this indie game, Oh, I'm seeing indie games on the coming soon. Steve Cardo comes out. October 27th ghost runner comes out October 27th and then watchdogs Legion early November. So I think it is going from like the soonest possible game to later ones. Yeah. They still show all the games. If it has different editions, they just pile them all. So like Spider-Man shows up like three Not times. Good. Sackboy shows up three times. It doesn't even say it either. Like it literally just shows Sackboy icon, $80 Sackboy icon, a hundred dollars. Sackboy icon, hundred dollars, and it's like the PS5, PS4, PS5 version. That's Share so dumb. Factory. So it's it's, it's bad, really Steve. the wish list, man. It's really the wish list being removed. I I want to punch the dude in the face who who said that they had to get rid of the wish list. I'm like, <laughs> these this is like free. Like normally you have to pay for 
to get like information out of people or you have to offer shit or something like that. Like wishlist is just like free data for you. Like, don't you want to know that's free real estate, what people are intending to buy? Like, so you can show it to them when it's on sale. Like, Oh oh my God, I was, I couldn't believe it. The main (laughs) tabs at the top are latest collections, deals, subscriptions. It's, it's a bad website, Steven. It's, I would say Nintendo now I would go Microsoft is in another level like everything all the way back to they put up store pages for like original Xbox games that's how like on top oh, of really? it they are that's pretty sweet I, I haven't been on the Xbox store like I, I, I haven't had an Xbox since the start of the pandemic so mm-hmm. I haven't I'm excited to dive back into the Xbox ecosystem like on November 10th so and yeah Xbox killing it there's their store their service well i mean i guess steam is like the goat that everyone copies except for playstation i guess then probably xbox nintendo playstation's just dying out here man so like i clicked on they had the they had the superhero collection like superheroes was like one of the icons right mm-hmm. and so like what are some of these, like why is this even lego marvel superheroes 2 marvel's avengers and justice to the south park fractured butthole megaton rainfall i don't even know what that is saints row technically has superheroes in it gravity rush 2 and that's a stretch (laughs) and this is this is it it's it's how many games are on here 12 it's 15 or 13 14 15 17 games like you got more superhero games than this you don't even have Miles Morales on here. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, oh my god, I hate you. I hate. Sometimes I just hate these companies, man. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Steve <laughs> hates sorry. PlayStation's new store. I, Steve, hate gotcha mechanics and games. And another Discord discussion we had this week was around mm-hmm. Genshin Impact and the really, really sleazy, I would say, uh, stuff in that game. But. Uh, by the end of that conversation, I'd convinced myself it wasn't that bad because it was free to play. And I was talking to everyone about like NBA, COD, all do the same thing Genshin Impact does, but but are full price, but are so full price games. I heard okay, so the dude that was kind of going like was you know was teaching us about Gensha or teaching me anyways because I didn't know what that was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, said that he hasn't played Gensha Impact because he basically installed it, saw what kind of game it was, was like, no, I don't want to do this, and then went to uninstall it. And I guess it like guilt trips him or, or something like that. Yeah, it has a little guilt trip screen. Like, are so, you sure? A woo. I've heard that Gensha Impact though is not that bad and not that um, predatory on this stuff. It's a mobile game, Steve, and I don't know if console gamers just aren't used to this. They should be by this point. But me looking at it. And the store page and, you know, how you roll for heroes and stuff. It's no different yeah. than Fire Emblem Heroes or what COD does with um, loot boxes and what NBA does with card packs. Like, it's the same thing to me. I don't see an issue here. Uh, or not not that I don't see an issue. I, I have an issue with these kind of monetization models. But You don't see a difference. I don't see a difference. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I downloaded it. I'll see. I was talking to my friend about it. He's a huge fan. He was, he's was he been trying to get me to play it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um I'm like I'm like kind of torn a little bit by it because of that stuff because of the China censorship stuff like it's mm-hmm. it's a game that I feel like I'll play and enjoy but not really like have a like have a pit in my stomach a little bit about about it I'm just like oh, I don't feel right playing this if it helps <laughs> so. that's not a studio decision that's a Chinese law so if you make that's a true. game and release it there you know they like the studio didn't ban the words Hong no, Kong no yeah Taiwan. of course so the other thing I was wondering too is like are they banning 
because basically they're banning if you say like Taiwan or free hike Hong Kong and stuff like that. Are they doing that to American players too? Or, or yeah, yeah, you can't put that in the chat. Oh man, I just want to kind of try it. (laughs) It's one of those screens where it's like that word is not unacceptable or something, you know? I see. True. Yeah, so that's a little messed up, but it's messed up. But what are you gonna do? Not play games, Steve? No. I, I mean, <laughs> most of my life is just playing games. This Cardo game looks kind of cute, by the way. I know. I, I also looked at that. But that's an aside. Probably the biggest Discord discussion this week, of course, we had was around not creative director at Stadia, creative director at a Stadia Montreal studio, Alex Hutchinson. I'm just going to read it. Quote, streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well it's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it the real truth is the streamers should be paying the developers and publishers for the games they stream they should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content they use uh my favorite interaction with this tweet was uh uh, someone from Giant Palm retweeted him. He's like, oh, yeah, how are people paying for Stadia lately? <laughs> and uh, that was fun. Anyway, this is a, a horribly, horribly ignorant take. Um, the, yeah, does this guy not know how advertising works? Like, also, the notion that developers would get any of the money from licenses is uh, absurd. This would all go into the big pot of CEO bonuses and money in the bank that these studios have. There's no way... If they licensed games to streamers, that developers would see a cent of that money. Well, what about indie? What about indie games though? Like if you're five person studio or whatever. What about a co op game? You know. In the case of those studios, probably, but the game Stadia is going to put out from this Montreal studio with probably hundreds of developers is going to go to Stadia. Um, yeah. But I agree. Yeah, when a studio owns the when it when a studio splits the profits amongst the people who actually do the work they would get the money from the licenses but that's not how these big companies work yeah i mean it's such a stupid take because it's like (laughs) what do you think like all these people who are like sneakerheads and stuff like that do you think you know these instagram people who wear like these sneakers are gaining these sneakers for free to post about them Mm, or 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 everyone who got a ps5 this week just for free because they have a lot of followers yeah or like I'm just trying to come up with examples outside of gaming. Like I, I knew someone in high school who was like a BMX person and he was game BMX shit for free because, because he would then slap the logo and all that shit on all of his sponsorships. Like that's what sponsorships are. And that's essentially what this is like. And then the, the, the tweet that really wraps it all up is like someone tweeted out, retweet this. If you've ever bought a game for after watching a streamer play it. Mm-hmm. And it had like 10,000 retweets. Mm-hmm. So this dude like doesn't understand that like first off developers are just free to give or not give away codes as they please or pro- or prohibit streamers through DMCA takedowns which Campo Santo did after PewDiePie uh did all that shit saying the n-word and having a nuclear baby meltdown on Twitter they DMCA all his content with Firewatch and it had to all get taken down Oh, really? So yeah, the so developers I mean, already have that power. Atlas yeah. bans people from streaming the Persona games or prohibits certain sections of those Persona games from being streamed, and Twitch just has to like enforce that because it is Atlas's game. And then Nintendo for... I don't think they still do this. No, right? they got but rid Nintendo, of that, you, but they were the worst for it. Yeah, you had to like... Apply. And everyone hated them. And you had, you had to apply to be part of their partnered program of people uh, authorized to stream. 
Yeah. So, and you had to share the revenue, right? And it failed. Like they don't do it anymore. So, the, so what he's talking about has already tried happening with Nintendo, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. So, yeah, he it was it was a stupid take, pretty stupid opinion. Great. I saw another tweet that was just like, so I guess this dude is the villain of Twitter today. <laughs> so yeah, there's always somebody who logs on says something <laughs> stupid and then can't tweet for a while. Yeah, he's changed his thing. He didn't go on private though, which I I commend because. That uh, I, sometimes people just go put on private so that they don't get like just all the hatred and shit. I'm sure mm. if you just add, actually, I'm going to add his name right now and just see some of the shit that people are mentioning. Don't I'm sure do it's that, like, Steve. It's he's he's been publicly undressed enough. Uh, it's fine. well, I'm not going to do. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I never. Oh, I always. Okay. I always. No, I never do that stuff. The uh, let's let's take a look at the top reply to this tweet then. Uh, Oh boy, someone should monetize playing music online without paying individually for each song. We call it like streaming or something. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, and then someone still gain like this guy still gain replies just crazy. Google Stadia begins limited testing of YouTube live streaming. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Anywho, dumb take. Uh, I believe developers should have. Um, the ability to take down any content with their games they don't like or don't want. I think that's important. For yeah, that's already a thing, right? Like, like where racist Swedish men say the N-word all the time and you have to distance yourself from them. Oh, um, yo, this Cardo game has a platinum in it. Ah, oh, Steve, pull, pull you back in. That's it for Discord discussion this week. I want to close out the show uh, talking about events quick and then what we've been playing. Uh, coming up this week, Thursday, October 29th, the Dames Making Games Toronto is having that October Games Writers Circle and Social. So uh, bring your writing if you have any, or just hang out and listen to other people's writing. That's going to be on uh, their Discord, I believe. Uh, Thursday, October 29th, 6.30 Eastern. The Festival of International Virtual and Augmented Reality Stories is ongoing until November 2nd, showcasing expertly curated selection of immersive experiences from around the world, many including Canadian developers. Uh, Dames Making Games is also having a Unity Club, Monday, November 2nd, 6.30 Eastern. Uh, Have a Unity project or many you're working on right now. Hang out, chat with pals, and learn from each other. Um... I have some more in the distant future, but I'll I'll keep these to like two weeks ahead of the time. Uh, I also want to plug Megs Mega Migs is going online digitally this year. Uh, And from Wednesday, November 11th to Friday, November 13th, they will be having a, um, let's see, a business development and media visibility uh, segment of Mega. Because Mega and Migs were two different events. Mega is the like arcade public-facing sort of PAX Expo. Migs mm. is the International Games Summit, which more focused on the business side of things. Mega already happened in September, and Migs is coming up November 11th, 12th, 13th. Tickets are still available. They're fairly reasonably priced, especially compared to GDC. And it'll all be digital with live programming, a networking platform, uh, various activities sponsored by Red Barrels. At last two hype. Three hype. No, what's it called? Trials. Yeah, they're on the third one now. Jeez, Steve, time flies. All right. That's it for events. Uh, all those caninginos.com slash events. I want to know what you've been playing, Steve. Uh, we streamed love. We both talked about love uh, in the news, so I don't think we need to cover mm-hmm. that. But what else have you been playing? Uh, I didn't actually get a chance to play that much this week. I I did beat Resident Evil 2 on Again. Cla- on uh claire's hardcore run 
and uh, yeah, it's my now my third time or fourth time beating it. And I'm doing Leon's hardcore run right now, and uh, the game is like. What, so what does the hardcore run. run entail? So basically, it's like enemies are harder. You only you basically die after two hits, um, and there's no auto save, and you have to like save with ink ribbons like you did back in the day. Hmm. So it's just like a, the harder version. And every time, I remember like looking at trophy guides and stuff, and people were saying like it's really difficult. Like don't do this without first doing the S rank. Because you get like a gun with infinite ammo. Oh, that sounds need, helpful. You'll need that. And I'm just like, oh man, I didn't realize it was that hard. And I played through it. And it's like, it's diff- certainly difficult, but it's not like, it's not ridiculous. Like, you you also played this game a shit ton. Yeah. I'm pretty good at the game. Like, like when, I, when <laughs> I play Last of Us on Grounded, I like clear whole levels. Like I'll go a long time without dying and like I'll hand the mm. control to someone else and they'll be like, holy shit. And it's just like, y- you are good at that game now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I'm I'm now playing on Leon B mode, and really my only criticism of the game is that the the A and B scenarios are aren't that different. It's mm-hmm. kind of disappointing because it's supposed to be like what Claire was doing on her run. This is what Leon is doing on his run. Okay. And in the original and the original game, it's much different. You are basically in different areas a lot, um, and this game is not. So it's a little disappointing, but it's fine. I assume that was a reusing asset situation. Probably, I assume so. Um, it is what it is. I just like, I like Leon better too because he gets better weapons too. But um, the game is still so good, and uh, I'm really just trying to grind out the final trophy in Marvel's Avengers. Just trying to finish that, and that's the game that I was playing. Where I'm just like, man, if this game, it's a good game, but if they really just released it at like forty bucks American or whatever, mm-hmm. thirty bucks American, and called it early access or or early version or something, like it would get, it, like it would have such a different view in the you would lower expectations yeah exactly and they probably should have because i mean they fixed a thousand bugs a week after the release so fucking you don't fix a thousand bugs <laughs> in like a week so they obviously released it before they should have and obviously this is more not towards crystal dynamics but more square enix um but i still like it but i mean as soon as i get this platinum i'll probably just delete it and then just wait until like next year to see like how the game evolves and stuff like that. Mm. Um, Cause they've now given out like two, like we're sorry gifts <laughs> to people. So I love that. They obviously know they're like screwing up and uh, you know, it's, it's still fine. I think it's like at the, what I've said before is I think it's at like a 70 on Mar- uh, Metacritic. And I agree with that. Like high six or whatever. If you're the type of person who wants to review games as numbers, I know you don't, mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's, it's good. Not great sort of thing. The next remake would be Resident Evil 4, wouldn't it? Yeah, so that's rumored to already the, be happening. That, that's the big one. Yeah, like, I mean, like as far like as I under, I don't follow the I haven't not followed the series really, but like Resident Evil 4 is like the one everyone I talk to loves. Yeah, it's it was like genre defining. Like it it was awesome and it really changed Resident Evil. Um it went from it, it went much more action, right? Yeah, it was. It's definitely that's the only knock against it. It's not really survival horror as much as it is action. Mm-hmm. Resident Evil Zero technically came out before, and Co Veronica uh, X, and I would love those games to get remade in the same style that two and three have gotten remade. So maybe they're doing. I, I think the rumor I heard was like they're basically doing all of that. They're remaking four as like legit. They're re, they're doing seven or sorry eight, and then they're going to just like kind of. Th- whip up like a remake for Code Veronica and Resident Evil Zero um, just because but 
I don't know. I I'm at the point now where I'll just take like as much Resident Evil as I possibly can. Like I'm, just, <laughs> I just love this series so much. Three was disappointing. It was still fine, but it was just really short. But two is like such a fucking masterpiece to me, and I'm so excited for eight. I'm also excited for eight, Steve. Seven's my favorite of all the ones I've played. Um, I, I I much prefer first person horror to third person, but but two, mm. two would be my my next favorite. I've played like one remake, two two remake, four. A bit of what was the one where they went to Africa? Uh, five. Okay, I played five in co-op for like four or five levels, and then seven. What just blew my blew me away, especially in VR. And yeah, so, VR seven was great. I'm I, very I excited think, for yeah. eight. I'm excited to to jump back into seven because it's part of that PlayStation Plus uh, PS5 thing. So. It is. It's on Game Pass too. I, I downloaded it on a PC. I just want to see what it's like on like a nice PC as opposed to oh nice um, yeah. So PS4. I'm yeah. So I'm going to dive back into it on PS5 because I have. I had the box or I had the disc version, but mm-hmm. I and I bought the DLC. And uh, it's funny too when when you release like DLC so close to release, it doesn't matter if your game is really good because people won't get mad because like the DLC for that game came out like a week into after the game came out, but no one seemed to be angry about it. Huh. <laughs> um, and the DLC was pretty fun, but I so I have the DLC, but I don't have the base game anymore. Although I think it's on PS now, um, but I'm excited to to kind of dive back into into that when PS5 comes out. There's a lot of games that I'm like planning to play on PS5 that I'm sure I won't because there's not enough time. Has, yeah, who has the time for that shit? I hear I hear my daughter outside crying, so I mean, I gotta figure that out first <laughs> before I play Resident Evil. I uh, beat Doom this week, Steve. Uh, way too long. Uh, like the last fight, and I'm gonna dump jump into Doom Eternal on Game Pass. Um, it's mm. Doom. It's long. I don't remember it being long. I maybe it was just a perception thing because I did play it way back when and then came back to it and thought yeah. I was farther than I was, but it's a great game and a unexpected critique of energy companies and and it's like it's every sci-fi game kind of does that, you know, like the Wayland Utani Corporation and Alien and the police department in RoboCop and <laughs> the Argent Energy Company in Doom and it's like like they always kind of do it that way and i I liked that i wasn't expecting that and uh they appear to be leaning into it again and and i didn't realize doom one ended on a cliffhanger because i never beat it way back when but it's straight up just ends very abruptly as like ah this is the twist and we're very clearly setting up a sequel and then flash the doom logo and doesn't really i don't remember anything about this game it's everything you're saying i'm like i don't remember the corporation stuff i don't remember being long i don't remember the the cliffhanger no straight up it ends like straight up setting up a sequel very very obviously hmm. interesting maybe i will is it is it on game pass as well no or? just eternal but it'll it'll because now that microsoft owns it, everything's just going to come eventually i'm sure it's just yeah, a matter true. of license and time and stuff maybe i'll try to just clear out some trophies or something on ps4 before i dump because I, I i also plan on playing internal on game pass like when i get my xbox like basically gears 5 and doom eternal are my yes. xbox series x yes. launch games um eternal immediate like i played the first level today uh and it just it just everything that just bugged me a little about doom fixed like mm. switching to your chainsaw no it's a button and it just automatically does it um that that was key uh and they added a lot more verticality to the platforming which i still don't like the platforming and would just prefer linear grounded levels without any of that jumping around but what they did add made the jumping around better in my opinion and so 
Highly recommend Doom Eternal. It's on Game Pass. Check it out. I also want to plug Goner 2, Steve. Now, Goner was one of the first interviews I ever actually did when I started getting into blogging in, like, high school. It's uh, published by Raw Fury, who's picked up a lot of Canadian talent, too. And it came out, I don't know, a long time ago. And the sequel has been in development since then, and it features co-op using Steam's um, remote play feature. And this is the first time I ever used it. Basically, how it works is it just streams my game to someone else and streams their inputs back to me and we essentially play the game couch co-op but on both of our screens so i played Mm -hmm. with my friend who didn't even have to buy the game the the developers just chose to support the steam feature that lets us play it like a co-op i think they actually rolled out the feature for cuphead on two-player co-op um and i love it it's a rogue light it's on switch game pass and steam uh, I assume it'll come to PS4 eventually because Goner did in PS5. It's a beautiful, very, I don't know, I want to say like like violently colorful uh, 2D roguelite platformer. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, everything really pops and moves in that game in a way that's like really, really makes me happy. And it supports up to four-player co-op. So if anyone ever wants to jump in with me, you don't even have to buy it. We can just add each other on Steam and play it, and it's, it's a great time. And uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm, I'm hoping to actually beat it. I've never beat a roguelike or light, Steve, and I think this might be the one, but we'll see. Really? Yeah. You never beat like Rogue Legacy? Or never beat Rogue Legacy. I've played, I played a bunch of these games for like 30, 40 hours, just never beat them because I'm terrible. But yeah, true. Like Dead Cells, I played a whole bunch of... Um, I guess you would count Darkest Dungeon, Rogue Legacy... Um, Spelunky. Uh, God or two is on PC Game Pass too, so maybe uh... check it out. It's it's good, Steve. I like it a lot. It's <laughs> confusing a bit at the start. It's one of those like no text tutorial, just you know, smash your head against it for a little bit. But having played Goner one, it helped a little. Um, yeah, I, I recommend it. That's all I really played this week, and that's it for episode one hundred sixty four of the Kenny podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us keep the site running, keep our content coming out, covering the Canadian game dev scene, you can support us over at patreon.com slash Canadian game devs. Back us there to get special two day early access to the show, some discord perks, game key giveaways, discount for Canadian gaming events. And if you back us at the $5 credited patron tier or higher your name at the end of the credits, like these lovely folks. Thank you. Aaron McLeod, Canuck play, David winter, David Nagy, Eric beer, Elizabeth Avery, Hanel, Jean Leggett, Jeff Shepstone, Jeffrey Canham, Graf Metal, Kai Hutchins, Nicholas A. Zorko, Nav from the Academy of Games, Pixelnauts underscore Alex, Sean Hayden, and Stacey H. Uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. Um, and if you're not on Apple but want to get your feedback to us, contact at CanadianGameDevs.com. Let us know if Steve's mic sounds good this week. I think it does. Um, and stay tuned for two interviews I've set up coming up over the coming weeks. We're going to be talking to patron Jean Leggett about her work and have her on the show just to, you know, bounce, uh, the news and events and jobs all around like we do. And we'll be having a interview with new Bioware intern, uh, Blake in our discord. Uh, I want to talk to them about their experience going through school, landing an intern at Bio- uh, landing an internship at Bioware, uh, working on Dragon Age for, and yeah have them just on the show too so stay tuned for those if you want them in your feed subscribe to the pod nice yeah i'm stoked steve i I like talking to people i loved our our interviews with uh um only by midnight having them on the pod just you know adds a variety is the spice of life for sure 
I'm looking at my Doom trophies and it doesn't look like I beat the game, which I couldn't swear I've done. So I might, might be why you this. don't remember that cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to re-download this game and just see like how close to because there's I don't know. There's some maybe that's why you didn't realize it was as long as it was either. Yeah, maybe I'm kind of interested. What's your? Oh, here, here you are. I want to see. Oh, right, I'm sorry. I'm just. Oh, oh on you have Xbox. Things? I beat it yeah. on Xbox, so I got. Um, by the end of it, I had fifty percent achievement complete. You don't get one for every chapter. There's like a few story beats you do, but most of it's like in-game or multiplayer. Yeah, it says I haven't beat the Hellguard Spider Mastermind. I haven't completed the game. Sp- Spider Master is the last boss. Spoilers. So yeah. I'm more, I, I could swear I beat this game, but it really doesn't seem like I did. So I, I want to re-download this and just see. Tune tune in next week. To tune see. in next week. <laughs> uh, where can people find you on the internet if they wish to do so, Steve? Uh, Simon Crane on various places. Sometimes there's eight thrown in there. I am sad because there's no sports, basically, for the rest of the year, except for football, um, which I kind of realized the other day. Because I was the just like, sport. oh my god, there's, uh, there's no sports because... Baseball is pretty much done. Basketball's Basketball. done. Baseball's done. Hockey's done. Won't, wait, won't, won't hockey start soon? Well, no, that's the thing. Normally, ba- ba- uh, normally basketball and hockey would be starting soon, but they just finished. So I don't know about hockey because I don't really give a shit about hockey. But but basketball says they might not start until um, the Christmas Day or even into January, huh? Uh, because of just how long the season like went off. Like these, like you know, they got U- UFC's always happening. Are you a big UFC guy? No, nah, not really. I, I I'll watch it if it's on, sort of thing. But I don't like. I don't really pay attention to it. All those guys seem like assholes. <laughs> yeah, the chairman of the UFC's or commissioner, or whatever, is a big Republican donor. Oh, um, the guy I, who looks like Joe Rogan, but it's not Joe Rogan. Yeah, the other guy. Uh, yeah, Joe Rogan's yeah, the also other... a big Republican, but he would have voted for Bernie, and Bernie would have won. Uh, anywho. <laughs> That's I don't know about that. <laughs> episode 164, Bernie would have won. The Canadian podcast, uh, he would have won in 2016 as well. Uh, thanks for joining me, Steve. And you can find all our work on Twitter at Canada Game Devs. Our Twitter handles are in there as well. Uh, but just go to the site for everything jobs, events, news, and more. Join our Discord. It's growing so fast. It's, yeah, we've had our first ban, which, you know, it's part of the, part of the, the part job, of I guess. We could talk about Bernie winning or not winning in the politics channel, so. We can. He definitely would have won. Um, I did watch the AOC uh, Twitch stream, by the way, which was... Oh, I watched that, uh, too. I'm a fan of her. I don't know. She's, She's cool. Elon's cool. Um, I was blown away that she is, like, three years younger than me. I was mm-hmm. like, holy fuck. Yeah, I have it, never... There's two moments in my life where I felt super old. Mm-hmm. One was when CIBC messaged me saying I had my own, like, financial advisor. Because um, huh. I was like, oh, my God they think I'm an adult who has money. And I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> and now this, we're like an elected official who's like big and people really love is like three years younger than me. I'm just like, Oh God. Yeah. I guess that'll be me soon. Cause like the, I, I had something similar with that. Cause the, the MP from none of it is like younger than me. Wait till, uh, you don't really pay attention to football, but wait nope, till sorry, like, she's not. that was a mistake. Wait till like running backs who retire at 28 and they're just like made fun of because they're 28 year old running backs retire. That's huh. that. That was another time when I was just like, Oh God, my, my sports athletes are retiring <laughs> and are considered old. <laughs> yeah. The MP for none of it's uh, 27. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. good. Uh, three, three cubed, the three cubed birthday, as they say. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the Twitch stream was really interesting. And I think, 
there's another conversation that we could definitely have in Discord about how the right really used gaming effectively over the past decade to recruit and build up their movement. The Trump, like a lot of the Trump administration started in Gamergate, which people don't realize that Gamergate connected all these people, established these networks, sort of launched careers, set up uh, big sites like Breitbart and stuff and landed some of these people in the Trump administration. And yeah, the progressive movement has just been absent from gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Gamergate was a much bigger, like, it wasn't just a bunch of people complaining about women. <laughs> like, it, like it really had like a movement and some people who kind of, you know, I guess like got popular or whatever. Or got Launched careers. Or yeah. Like it, it's kind of, it's very And are now working in the White House, Steve. Yeah, I know. No, I, I know. Like Gamergate isn't just like, like a bunch of nerds complaining on the internet. Like it's like a weird well, it is that, but it is a weird thing that has like legs to it and like stuff like that. It's it's very strange. And the and the and the liberal progressive side of the spectrum has just been I, like almost completely absent from that. Like like AOC's stream was the I think biggest Twitch debut ever and one of the most watched streams ever, probably behind like I think I think it's like fifth the fifth ranked stream ever. So yeah, probably the biggest debut for sure. Crazy. Um, um and yeah, yeah, Jag- yeah. get on Twitch. I would watch you. Oh, I'd I'd fucking kill for Jagmeet to go on Twitch. I would I would love for all of them to go on Twitch. To be honest, I would I'd watch Andrew Andrew Shear play um, Among Us. Uh, his <laughs> I would chirp would him be, the whole his time. His chat would ban me so fast. <laughs> Probably. Anyway. I don't like. For the record, I don't like Andrew Shear, but I would watch. Uh, I would watch these people because you you want to see for me, anyways like what's really important for me for politicians is just to see that they're fucking normal people Mm -hmm. who can kind of like have fun and stuff like that. And I don't mean like going golf or some shit, but I just want to see them like interact in like a normal fashion. And I kind of like that. And I feel like I follow Jagmeet on like a few social media stuff. And I feel like he does posts and stuff where it's just like him just chilling. Good. um, Yeah. And so when I, when I watched AOC, I was just like, yo, she's just a, girl from new york who's who's very passionate about helping people <laughs> like why 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 what's the hate if you ever know. got if you ever got a, a, an evening for a documentary check out burn the house down on netflix it's about all of their it was a documentary filmmaker who like when they started their campaign like joined on and like wanted to film the whole thing and sort of charts her her process aoc you mean yeah oh true yeah I will. and burn i think the house i down. think a couple other ones too but yeah burn the is house it, down on netflix is it burn b-e-r-n no that's great though uh <laughs> No, it's burn like yeah, the other one. And yeah, no, she she gives me hope, Steve. Yeah. We need hope in these tumultuous times. No, the world's gonna end on November fourth, so I hope not. I need my PS five. Can you wait a week? I know. <laughs> <laughs> just let me play like an hour of Miles Morales, just see the load time. I just then... wanna see the load times. Load times are gonna be the <laughs> biggest thing. You can suspend five games, Steve. This podcast is going on too long. Thank you for listening, everyone. I appreciate, we appreciate you, and we will catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Very nice. And now we go to time. That is two, 2.2 seconds ahead. What the hell? I'm I was 5.5 seconds behind. Whoa. That is, <laughs> that's a legit amount. Yeah. Like that could be consequential in like 
some very specific circumstance. I'd That's a video game loading screen. 